photography lovers and welcome to another episode of the Fashion Photography Podcast. My name is Virginia and I'm the host of this show. And since today is Wednesday, you know that I'm here with a guest. And you probably know that this is part two of our conversation with Joel Grimes. And today we have some amazing topics. But before that, let me tell you that if you haven't heard of this show so far, we are here every Wednesday with another fellow creative from the fashion photography scene. And every other Friday, I'm answering your questions and giving you some tips and tricks. So if you like our show and you want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast. And if you want to become part of our community, you can visit photographypodcast.net where you can find a link to our Facebook group. But let me tell you about today's topics because there are so, so many. Today, we talk about the psychology behind the pitching process, the misconceptions and humanity overall. What are the biggest mistakes we do in our marketing? And we also talk about style and how to become trendsetters. Another very hot topic is how to start working with advertising agencies and how to make a successful cold call. As Joel said, in this podcast, there are lots of million dollars questions and answers. So I really hope he won't send me the bill after this. But what I'm absolutely sure of is that you need to listen to this podcast. So let's do this. Can you share with us some of the highlights on how to make a successful cold call? Let's go back to our humanity. Mm -hmm. So there's one thing I know about you. <laughs> okay. And I know about me. If you showed me your work and I told you you suck, <laughs> mm -hmm. that doesn't feel very well. Our human nature is that we pour into something, mm -hmm. then we're proud of it. Or maybe we have second thoughts about it because that's insecurity too. But when we put it out there and someone tears it apart and tells us that we suck, that's brutal. That is uh, something that you have to learn to overcome, is that someone's going to say to you, I'm not interested in you, and they'll be really rude about it. They'll hang up on you or they'll tell you, stop calling me or whatever. You're going to get this rejection, this I call it taking a knife and stabbing it into my heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. It's painful, right? And so what I had to do is I had to put myself into my shoes as a human being, which is I don't like to be rejected. It's painful. I don't think anybody does. <laughs> yeah. Then I had to put myself in the shoes of the person that I'm trying to pitch, mm -hmm. the art director or the photo editor or whatever. So you have to look at both sides of that process or you won't be successful. So number one is I have to learn that if I make a phone call and someone says, you're an idiot, stop calling me. And they tell me to go jump in a lake. Then I say, well, why did that person react the way they did? What's the reasoning behind that? Once I understood something that was very, very, very important and very valuable is that the person I'm pitching is just like me. They're human too. So let's look at their perspective. Let's say they're an art director. They have a boss and their boss is very demanding. They have budgets and time restraints. That's the first part of the person I'm pitching. The second part of the person I'm pitching is they have a life outside of their work. Well, let's hope they do. <laughs> but they may be going through a relationship. They may have just gone through a divorce or been dumped. They may have a small child at home that's teething and they're up all night. We went through four kids. I know what that's like when you don't get any sleep. You got a small kid at home. They have a whole list of things that they're bringing to them when they walk into the work. And then they got a boss that's demanding. They got times restraints and budgets and all these things that they're working under. And then you make the phone call. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Joel Grimes. I'm a photographer. I'd love to come in and meet you in person. And they'll go, and they hang up on it. 
So what I learned is it's not because they're mean. To you in particular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's because they're overwhelmed by life. One of the things I learned early on is that my job as a photographer isn't just to make great pictures. It's to make the person I'm working for their life easier and more successful. Yeah, I'm the knight in the shining armor that's going to help them keep their job. Or maybe that I can give them some tips on raising kids <laughs> while, <laughs> while we're taking yeah, pictures. Oh, you got a kid that's teething? Here's what my wife and I did. But if you look at it, when I get a rude response to my cold call, I don't take it personally. I don't look at it as a bad thing. Now, I'm going to give you a tip that's worth the cost of admission. Let's say it's a million-dollar tip. Ready to hear it. If you're knocking on doors, you're making cold calls, you're trying to make it in the real world, here's a tip that'll blow your mind. The thing that most of us discover in life as we get older and mature is that we have these misconceptions that need to be shattered all the time. When you get married, you think this is what marriage is going to be, and then it's not what it's going to be. <laughs> There's misconceptions that we have. There's things that we don't really realize, and we live in a fantasy world, and we get to the real world, and we're like, oh, okay, I didn't understand. That's how it really works. <laughs> but let's say I call an art director, and this art director is just by nature a really nice person. They know that I'm trying to make a living and they know that it's not easy to make a cold call and I'm starting out. And so when I call, they kind of sense that and they feel a little bit obligated to maybe have you come in and show the portfolio. They say, sure, come on in. Uh, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, come on in. I'll just set up an appointment. Mm -hmm. They're really nice. Let's just say they're an excellent human being. Their mother taught them how to be nice <laughs> and everything. <laughs> so you get in the door. You show your portfolio and they're just so sweet. They're just nice and they encourage you. And then they send you back out the door. And you think to yourself, wow, that went amazing. And then you wait for the phone to ring and it never rings. They never call you back. And you wonder, wait a minute, I kind of hit it off with this art director and it went so well. They were so nice. Then you have the really rude art director. So you call them up and they're, they're grumpy and they don't give you the time of day. And then they, before computers, I'm going back a ways. Mm -hmm. The personal computers were just coming on the scene. I didn't have one when we first started out. I had three by five cards and I would have a red sticker and a blue sticker. So a red sticker meant that it was a hot, it was a good call. You had a system. <laughs> yeah. And a blue sticker was cold, meant not good. Mm -hmm. So then I would put a little sticker on this card and then I'd go back through my list. And I, when every time I see a blue sticker, I'd pass up that three by five card, say, I'm not calling that person back. They were rude to me. Well, I learned something. Here's the million dollar tip that the nice people are nice to a lot of photographers. So in a course of a year, how many photographers do you think a really nice art director might look at the, coming in the door? Two per day. I don't know yeah, how many working days we have. Uh, yeah, a lot. Well, let's just say they end up with 50 photographers that come in the door during a course of a year. Maybe it's 200. I don't know. But mm -hmm. it's a lot. They're really nice. Well, okay. So now when it comes for a job and they want to hire a photographer, They might have 50 photographers to choose from or a 200. Absolutely. I learned this really amazing lesson. I switched the blue and the red. <laughs> <laughs> If somebody was really rude to me, I said, that's the person I need to key on. That's the person I need to keep calling. Mm -hmm. Because eventually I got in the door. In a given year, I found out that I'd say I key on a really rude art director and I kept pounding, pounding, pounding. Finally, I got in. And then I'd say, how many photographers do you look at a year? And he says, you're it. <laughs> and I got all this work from these really rude art directors. Wow.
because I was the only one that stuck with it. I kept hounding them and eventually they had to have a slot that needed to be filled. So here's another million dollar tip. The best photographers don't make the most money, aren't the most successful. It's the ones that are the most persistent. Here's why. Let's say you look at your skill set. You know lighting, you know Photoshop, you have the basic skill sets to go out and create a beautiful picture. And then you look at the marketplace. If every day you look at how many jobs are being awarded. I'm in the Phoenix Valley. There's about, what, 5 million people here in this valley of Phoenix. Quite a few jobs are being awarded every day. How many of those jobs do you have the skill set to complete? So if someone called you up and said, oh, hey, we have this CEO we need photographed for whatever. Could you do that? Yeah, that's not that hard. So they say, we got this bakery. We're doing the store on this lady who's started this bakery. It's a very success. We need a picture of her in her bakery. Can you do that? Yeah, that's not that hard. So really, probably every day that jobs are being awarded, you could easily say that you could fulfill 80% of the jobs that are being awarded every day. 80% of all jobs in the Phoenix Valley, you could get. Mm -hmm. You have the skill set. Well, why aren't you getting them? (laughs) That's the biggest question. Who's getting those jobs? It's a very right question, not just the biggest one. Yeah. Is it the best photographers? Well, no, because most of us are overqualified. Almost 80% of all the jobs out there that I get called to do, I'm overqualified to do. The skill set that I have is not rocket science. It's not something that's going to be a big challenge for me. So why don't I get 80% of the jobs that come in every day? Well, because my name isn't in the brain of the person that makes a decision. So I call it the power of eight. I have to get my name in the brain of the person that hires. How do I do that? Call the power of eight. That means I got to get my name at least eight times in front of that person. And so I have a whole talk on this on the Joel Grimes Academy. I go through probably 10 hours of just me sharing how to get in the door and how to be successful business-wise. What we don't realize is that most of the time that an art director decides to hire someone new is based on the fact that they're in a crisis. So their standard, typical five photographers that they hire all the time are all booked. They're gone. They're booked. They're on vacation. Something's happening. They're not available. And now they have to go take a risk on a new photographer. Their boss is screaming at them, we need this shot next week on Tuesday. And the art director can't find his go-to photographers. And now they have to take a risk. And who do they take a risk on? The one name that's stuck in their brain, Joel Grimes. Because I keep pounding the same people over and over until they have a crisis and then they'll hire me. And that's how I get in the door. It's not because I'm the best photographer in town. It's because I put my name in their brain. And I do the whole thing on this whole about marketing and getting my name into the brain of that person. But it's magic. I've built my whole career on this simple system of getting my name in the brain of the right person. And then I get work. And people go, how do you get so much work? Because I've done my persistence of getting my name in their brain. Now, I hope my photography is good. And I say this all the time. I am by no means the best photographer around. But I do say I'm pretty much the most persistent. (laughs) I can definitely confirm what you said about the crisis, because this is actually the way I got my first gig for a magazine. They had a crisis. Their photographer was pregnant. They had no other choice. So they were looking for other photographers. And I did exactly what you said. I was sending emails. I was calling. And one day they just decided to call me and see my portfolio in a personal meeting. So it worked. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing when that happens because now you know that's the system. I have this little thing I say, I shoot, practice my craft, 
and I market. Shoot, market, shoot, market, shoot, market. Every day I have two things on my brain. Get better at my skills as a photographer, but market. Every free minute that I'm not shooting to practice new skills or whatever it is, I'm marketing. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have that marketing side, you will be a struggling photographer, barely making your bills, and you'll have not a very successful career. If you want to, you can give us three tips on marketing. Or you can just highlight the three things that people do really, really wrong in their marketing. Look at this concept. I used to ask this question to photographers all the time. Back when we used to have a lab, before digital, we'd all be gathering around the lab waiting for a film to be processed. And so it was kind of a big community of photographers. A lot of times it was superficial relationships because you didn't get too much of a chance to meet people or, or talk. But you would say, hey, how you doing? And you'd see someone and you get to know all the photographers in town. But I was always busy and I was always running around like a crazy person. So I go to the lab and people say, wow, you seem really busy. And I go, oh, well, yeah, I am. And they're like, how are you getting so much work? And I asked them a question. When's the last time you made a cold call? They put their head down and they look like they just, they were in trouble, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, kind of sheepish. They're like, yeah, I know. And I go, when's the last time you showed your portfolio? And I go, well, there's your problem. You're not out there actively and here's what I discovered. There were a lot of photographers that did really good at marketing in the beginning, and then they built a pretty good reputation in town. And then they started to believe that the phone would just keep ringing and they didn't market. Here's what happens. It's really a crazy thing in the cycle of the marketplace is that, let's say, good photographers that end up doing pretty good at marketing, they have about a 10-year cycle, a 10-year life. They'll take over the town and they'll become you know, the hot photographers and then they have about a 10-year run and all of a sudden the phone stops ringing and they don't understand why. Kind of stare at the wall going, what's wrong? They don't understand that the new generation of photographers have been cropped up. There's a new crop of photographers that are taking over the town. They're the ones that are starting out. They're the ones that are marketing. They're doing some innovative stuff, maybe a little fresher, a little bit trendy. And the established photographers start losing work. And they don't understand why. They believe that their reputation will carry them through. They all of a sudden wake up one day and they can't pay their bills. I've seen this over and over and over. And even in my career, I've noticed that I've had to reinvent myself three times. So I'm actually on my reinvent myself the fourth time around. Mm -hmm. And I know that no matter what I do, whatever style I do, it has about a 10-year run. And it's going to come to an end. And then I have to start over. This is actually very interesting because today in the Fashion Photography Podcast Facebook group, there was a question by our moderator, Tim Copsey, and it was, should you try and change your style if your existing style is not commercial or popular enough? So it's very interesting for me. What are your thoughts about it? And now when I hear this answer, I kind of know what you're going to say, but let's just discuss that for a little. If you had a crystal ball, mm. and that crystal ball would give you the trends of where photography will be, say, three, five years from now, okay? So you had the ability to look into the future. Okay. Well, let's say it cost you $10,000 to go to the person who has the crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, I want to know the future, and I don't want to know where the trends are so I can get ready for this new trend. And so we would say, well, that would be pretty good. Fork down ten grand for that. But that's one way to look at the marketplace is trying to, trying to guess the trends mm -hmm. or anticipate the trends or follow the trends. There's a better way. When you look at trying to position yourself in the marketplace by what's going to happen, what's the future, what's the next look or whatever, you're always going to be behind the eight ball or what do they call that? Um, the power curve. You're always going to be behind 
because who's setting those trends? Well, somebody is, right? So, sure. so if someone's setting those trends, they're the ones that are going to benefit from those trends, not you. See, by the time you get to where you can build a body of work that matches the trend, it's usually too late. It's usually everyone's doing it. For example, so let's just say you had the ability to know the future and where a trend was going. And you said, okay, I'm going to go out and build a body of work that fits that trend. Well, how long does that take you to do that? I would say realistically a year, probably a year, maybe two Mm -hmm. before you got really proficient at a certain look. That's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. It's not overnight. If you don't know the future and all of a sudden they go, everyone says, this is the future where photography's going, then you're two years behind. True. When you chase a trend, you end up blending with the masses. You blend with everyone else. All the other photographers jump on the same bandwagon. So if you want the best way, that is you go and be the trendsetter. And you say, (laughs) wait a minute, that's asking a lot. How could I set the trends? And actually setting trends is pretty easy. And here's how you do it. Let's talk about being an artist. On one hand is the most daunting, overwhelming experience on the planet. Well, maybe being tortured, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, never mind. But being an artist is not an easy thing because every time you go to make a decision, you second guess that. You go, am I doing it right? Am I doing the right thing? Or is someone going to make fun of this? Or is someone going to criticize me? I put the light in the wrong spot. I put the person, their hands not positioned right, or their hair looks funny, or their chin, you know, whatever. You're always second guessing your decision because of what other people might think. So being an artist is extremely daunting. And we all suffer from that because we're human, right? So we're human and we go, am I doing it right? So if you set aside everybody else's opinion, you say, I'm not going to listen to anyone's opinion, which is pretty tough to do, but let's just say you could. Mm -hmm. And you say, I'm going to go and I'm going to find a subject or we're going to go out into the forest. We're going to go shoot this crazy picture. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to retouch it and I'm going to do the way I like it. And you put it out there and you're going to discover something crazy. And that is, there are going to be some people that say you suck. And then there's going to be some people say you're brilliant. You're a creative genius. Because you went and did something that is not copying or following someone else's trend. You're doing it because you love it more than anything else. It fits you to the T. It fits you like a glove. And you just do it and you don't care what someone else thinks. And then you go and do that for a year or two. And you will create a body of work that literally rocks. Because... It's not what everyone else is looking at. You're doing something that stands out because you're not trying to chase a trend. You're not trying to follow the crowd. You're trying to do something that fits you. And it's the artists that take put aside other people's opinions or criticism and don't worry about it and go out and work really hard and practice that become the trendsetters. Well, so there were so many million dollars tips. (laughs) (laughs) This was a great advice. Do you think there is a perfect moment to get in touch with an advertising agency? Okay, that's a good one. When we go back to our humanity. See, I should have got a degree in psychology. (laughs) It's never too late. Never too late. I had this problem. I would look out my window and I would say it's raining. It's a lousy, cold, miserable day. And I'm supposed to make my cold calls, right? And I'd look out the window and I'd go, what a terrible day to be marketing. And I think the person that I'm calling, they're experiencing the same thing. They had a long drive into work. It was rainy, miserable, cold. They don't want to be talked to. I wouldn't want to call on a rainy, cold day. When it was springtime, it was sunny. Everything was in bloom. It was beautiful out. 
I'd look out the window and go, I want to be outside. And so does the art director. On a sunny, beautiful day is a bad day to call art directors because they want to be outdoors like me. (laughs) So what I discovered was no matter what the circumstances around me, I could always make an excuse of why not to make a cold call. Let's say Monday morning comes around and I got to make my cold calls. I think, well, it's after the weekend. People are kind of grumpy. Nobody wants to be talked to Monday morning. So that's a bad time to make a cold call. And then you say, well, you don't call at the end of the day because if they get off at five, you don't call at four, four thirty, yeah. because they're thinking about going home. Right? The same thing with lunch. You don't call right before lunch. That's a bad time. And you don't call right after lunch because they just get off lunch and they're kind of happy and, and they don't want to be bothered. So one day I sat down and I wrote down on a piece of paper when I should not call an art director. And I found out that it was like 90% of the time. <laughs> I had an excuse for everything. Cold days, beautiful days, you know, after lunch, before lunch. And so so here's what I did. I typed out on my computer, the optimal time to make a cold call is when the receptionist answers the phone. That's clever. I, I hung that over my office for years. So people would say, okay, in the fall is when all the ads come out, right? So you got to pitch in the fall. Well, no, they're shooting the ads in the summer for the exactly. fall. Exactly. Okay, so then you go, well, yeah, but people go on vacation in the summer, so that's a bad time to call. You can make an excuse for everything. So here's what I would say is that when it comes time to market or pitch an ad agency, there's a group of photographers that will tell you all the naysayers out there, when not to call and when the best time and all that. Don't listen to them. What you got to do is just make the phone call. If you have an hour block Monday morning, call that Monday morning. (laughs) I've landed huge ad campaigns making a cold call on Friday afternoon at 4.30 because the art director was in a panic. They needed a photographer the next week. They didn't get one done, and now they were panicking. I make the phone call, and they go, oh, are you available next week? And I go, yep. I guess my point is is that our human nature is that we will make an excuse for everything when not to call. We have a society around us that tries to mold us and shape us, and we are told constantly certain things that are a lie. I woke up this morning. I think I was going to do a thing for my YouTube channel, five things that we were told that are a lie. But one of them is that we are told since we're little children, you're a woman in a man's world. Mm -hmm. So a woman, a woman doesn't have the same chance as success as a man. So you believe that and then you get it in the workplace and you think, well, I can't succeed because I'm a woman, right? Or I can't, I don't have the same opportunities. Why don't you tell that to Annie Leibovitz? (laughs) Probably the greatest celebrated photographer of my generation. So we can go down a path of this on every angle and we can make an excuse for my situation. I'm a bald, I'm bald. <laughs> I don't have the same opportunities as somebody with, or whatever. I mean, seriously, when we can go through and make an excuse on why we get rejected because of our skin, our gender. But what I'm saying is don't fall into the trap of believing the lie mm-hmm. that because of your gender or your race or whatever, that you don't have the same opportunity as someone that's in a different position. And that's a very dangerous place to go down because here's why. So let's say I go to an ad agency, I show my portfolio and they say, okay, thanks for coming. And it's kind of not a very friendly, warm reception. Mm -hmm. And you walk out that door, you're going to try to make an excuse for why you got brushed off and you're going to go fall back on the lie. True. And that's extremely dangerous. And so you have to say, no, that was the wrong agency for me. I shoot food. They do fashion or whatever. You just might have been knocking on the wrong door. Because of humanity, we fall into traps very easily that will destroy us. 
what I think is really interesting is, and you probably get this from my talking right now, is that being a photographer doesn't have a whole lot to do with taking pictures. True. <laughs> it's a lot about me overcoming my insecurities, the lies, all these things that we have as being humans. That's where the battle is. Absolutely. I never would have thought that starting out as a photographer. I thought it was all about taking good pictures. <laughs> When did you start thinking about it more often? Maybe when you started giving talks and lectures? Yes. You know, it's really funny that you say that because there's a really amazing thing that happens as being an educator is you start to think through, why do I do this? Or why did I not do that? Or why did I fall flat on my face over here? Or why, why was I so insecure about this? And as I start thinking about this and talking about it, it all comes out. And I start to realize that 40 years of doing this, I've learned a lot. I have this stuff to pass on to other people. I wish I would have had some of this stuff when I was 20 years old starting out. We didn't have the resources that we have today. I mean, it's, uh, we're in a great time in history. I don't know if you know the term, the soapbox. I stand on the street corner and I scream at the top of my lungs, overcome your humanity. You know, <laughs> that's how you succeed. But I have this, you know, I kind of get out there and I talk a lot about this stuff. And people say, I want to know how to take a picture. And I go, well, I can teach you that, but there's something more important that you need to know. It's very interesting for me that you mentioned um, what would you do now? So this is a question that I truly love, but unfortunately I'm asking not that often. If you were 20 years old now, today, first off, tell me, would you become an artist with a camera? And secondly, what would you do now? Yes, as I said, this is my most favorite question, but unfortunately, we'll have to hear the answer next Wednesday when we'll continue our interview with Joel because there's so many insights. So we just thought maybe you need a little bit of time to consume all this information. So that's why there will be episode number three, as I said, next Wednesday. Until then, you can visit our Facebook group or leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. If you have a new editorial that you would like to share with the world, go to toothfashionmagazine.com and submit it. Thank you guys so much for listening to our show today and I cannot wait to see you next Wednesday.